need to feed my spirit. I was once a believer. You are a spectre from the gods. Walk with me. All right, you're listening to Wait You Were Mormon with Devin Brown. I'm your host, Devin Brown, and for episode eight, uh, I've got the lovely Hal Morgan. Uh, he lives in Virginia. We talk about his mixed faith marriage and how he navigates that. We talk a little bit about his mission to Dominican Republic and how it parallels a Peace Corps service experience that he had, that he served with his wife. We get into sexual urges on the mission and some of the trauma that comes from that. Um, and I think we cover a lot of very relatable topics like trying beer and other recreational drugs for the first time as a post-Mormon. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Please feel free to reach out to me with any topic suggestions that you have or just whatever you want to share. Um, I'd love to, to talk to all of you guys and uh, stay tuned for more. Um, so, Hal, uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and what brings you on the podcast today. Sure. Uh, what brings me on the podcast is I've been stalking your Instagram account for uh, what you were Mormon and I just you know started listening to the, the shows that you've done so far. And a couple of them just was like, wow, that's really my experience, especially um, the comedian that you had on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm blanking on his name, but Bill Squire, perhaps, or Steve. Steve, Steve, Steve. Cantwell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I just I really identified with kind of how his uh, faith kind of came apart that it wasn't it wasn't necessarily that you know joseph smith was a was a child molester but mm-hmm. more more like <laughs> uh just the whole god idea kind of kind of fell apart for me so yeah um, um oh, and, and about me uh so yeah i i live uh, in the washington dc area i live in northern virginia and uh been married for we just celebrated 12 years mm. A week, about a week ago. Oh yeah, congrats! Yeah, thank you. We did it. it there's definitely ups and downs, but we're doing. We're solid. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, my, I have my son. He's five months old. He got a pandemic baby. There you go. Uh, yeah, and uh, just my background, I guess, a, a little more is just I, I uh, went to BYU. Uh, grew up in Utah, like 15 minutes north of Salt Lake. Um, Went on went on my mission in the Caribbean, and um, married in the Salt Lake Temple. Um, my wife is still Mormon, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I feel like that's a pretty good overview. Yeah, so. you know, it's funny because uh, when we were when, when I was talking to you first to come on the podcast, you were like, oh, "I'm just I just don't feel like I'm." a very interesting person compared to all these guests that you've had so far. And like more and more, I'm just like blown away. I'm like, man, this guy is like very interesting to me. And so there's a lot of things that I want to jump into. First off, right out the bat, I would love to delve a little bit more into um, your relationship, if that's okay. 
with your wife still being Mormon? Like, is she very active in the church? And then how does that work with, you know, your new lifestyle? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, it's been about, since I kind of really left the church, I would say it's about, about when I moved out here was when it kind of really fell out. Um, so it's been about six years. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, like I said, we were married in the temple and she, she had only date, she had like had a, uh, before she met me, had a long-term relationship with a non-woman guy. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I feel like I gave her the, the bait and switch because, you know, she found her return missionary <laughs> <laughs> who ended up not sticking with it. Yeah. <laughs> but whatever, I'm still a better guy than him. Mm. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, tons of marriage counseling. Um, I mean, she, she has always been a super great companion, a super great partner, uh, always very supportive. Um, just like, a she just has a very loyal, like, like faithful personality. Um, someone you can like always trust and, um, and she, and she just is not judgmental. And I feel like I'm, it's probably a bit in the minority to still be married, mm. you know, because um, yeah. it's either you both leave or you get divorced. Mm -hmm. It's what I what I see like most of the time. Um, but how we make it work, uh, it's just you know, any any time. Usually, it's like she's like, "Hal, I think you're drinking too much," because I because I like had beers like twi twice in one week yeah. and so I'm like okay I'll just uh, you know I'll cut, I'll cut I won't drink anything for a couple weeks and um and really the marriage counseling was about me um coming to terms with her faith and like still being okay with her like this is so fucking ridiculous like uh, I can't, you know, all these things, this and this and this is wrong with religion. And she's like, you know, you were right there with me. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I, we, we kind of just came to a point where we realized it's, it, it's, it's the relationship doesn't have to revolve around that. And we grew a lot from it and, you know, stronger for it kind of situation. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah. Because like you said, I think uh, predominantly you know, does tend to lead to, to more strife and, you know, kind of contrition, or not contrition, but just like, uh, that separation. Um, do you guys, have you talked about like what to do with your son? Is, is it going to be more up to him or will he be going to church a little bit? Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't, I think he's going to, he's going to go to church. Like, I don't think I'm going to win that battle. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. Um, I feel like the exposure that he'll get from not growing up in, in Utah and um, just having two different perspectives from his parents. Like, mm. you know, if, if he wants to go down that road, like I'll have very frank conversations with him, but you can, you can do it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, then you yeah, You mentioned that you could really relate to Steve and like having this whole this kind of an existential crisis with like the concept of God. 
Um, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Um, you say the concept of God. Sorry, you cut out for just oh, a bit. Oh, we cut out. Oh, you said uh, you could really relate to um, Steve Cantwell and like his experience um, with just approaching the idea of God, I think is my, maybe how you phrased it. Can you tell me a little bit yeah. more about that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess, uh, like I mentioned before, like it's not about like the church church history, mm. which like the C or problems with the church, like, like the CES letter does a great job of laying out um, yeah, I didn't read it until well after I had decided I was done. Um, but yeah, like it, it really came together for me that um, God doesn't make sense to me. When I was in the Peace Corps with my wife, mm -hmm. this is in uh, 2011, 2012. And just, you know, we're living in a village away from anyone anyone else except for the local local folks there and everyone's buddhist and you just get close to people that have nothing to do with jesus and you realize that wow like these people are super kind and and humble and they have all the christ-like attributes but really really uh don't think much about christ that much mm -hmm. <laughs> and um yeah yeah so i just started exploring like well you know Christianity like obviously you, you don't need it like you know the whole I don't know if you heard this growing up in the church but um it's like they say like oh they have that light in their eyes like yeah when a non-mormon sees a missionary like that is such bullshit like <laughs> like once like I really bought into that and like we are the happiest people mm -hmm. on earth and we, I, we got super close to the other volunteers there. There's like 50 other volunteers that we became like family mm -hmm. um, in Cam in Cambodia, in the Peace Corps. And um, none of them were Mormon. And like, I got closer to them than a lot of my best friends, mm -hmm. uh, just cause you know, you're similar to the mission where, you know, you just don't, those, these are the people you lean on. Um, and so after that I was like, all right, like this doesn't make sense to me anymore. Mm -hmm so yeah yeah that's interesting like i'm gonna assume most listeners are going to be very familiar with the lds missionary process um but are like me gonna not be familiar at all with the peace corps process so how do you find yourself like i guess enlisting in the peace corps because it's for two years right it's kind of there's some parallels to the mission yeah, well, and, and there's nine weeks of training, which is mm -hmm. exactly the same amount of training that I had for the mission. Um, and it, yeah, it was nine weeks of training in country. So um, we, let's see, it's about, we had been married for maybe like two years at that point um, when we applied two or three years. And we were just like, you know, we don't want to have kids. Like we've always said like two or three years while kids. And then took 11 years but mm. it's all right <laughs> and um <laughs> we may have never had kids if this little happy little accident mm. didn't come to pass 
Um, sorry, tangent. So uh, you apply, you just, we were just like, you know, we want to, we want to do something. We don't have any money, but we want to go travel and do service and do something really cool before we have kids. And we we're just like, well, let's, what about the Peace Corps? And like, literally it was, it was a conversation like that. And mm. so you just, you just got online and took about a year to get placed. Um, but uh, yeah, we served together as a married couple, which is a little less common as mm. well. Usually it's just, uh, like single folks. Mm. Um, but yeah, is, pretty pretty similar. Is there as much like daily planning and like are you do you sit down with your wife and like all right at two o'clock we're gonna do this two fifteen then we're moving here. <laughs> uh, da, 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 da. No, not even close. <laughs> no. So <laughs> one thing about that that just came popped in my head is like in the mission it's like your goal is to like you've got this amazing gift that like they should be so grateful that you're bringing to them mm-hmm. whereas like the peace corps it's like the country has to invite you mm-hmm. and they only and they have to accept the types of services that you'll provide and like it's just the whole it, there's a lot more sensitivity about like integrating into their culture and being sensitive about their culture mm-hmm. and like how is this going to work for them rather than you coming in and trying to like make them better mm-hmm. as mormon missionaries do yeah <laughs> so that's interesting yeah. um but uh yeah the the peace corps is a great experience um It definitely, as far as like foreign aid and the actual like tangible amount of good that you do, you you kind of get, you kind of learn about how inefficient foreign aid is and it kind of, that you get a bit jaded about that. But, you know, just like on the mission, you make the best of the experience. Um, You just do the best you can. And um, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's, it's similar that way. Are you restricted to like particular areas or are you pretty much free to move about or like, are you know, is there like a home office or oh, something that you so check it's into? Not, like yeah. what's the structure kind of like for a, a Peace Corps volunteer? Because I met a few in Ghana, but we never really talked about, you know, what they were doing. Yeah. Like they were way more interested in like what we were kind of there for oddly enough. Yeah. Uh, so you have, <laughs> yeah <laughs> you do have a, a like a geograph like a village that you serve mm-hmm. so like a county basically um and you're you're not like prohibited from leaving there um like you can you can like comp- you can actually go anywhere you want over the weekend as, mm-hmm. you know, as far as you can get with the little amount of money that you have um but yeah like there's you know do your job and it's, you know, it's kind of like a nine to five situation um, where, you know, just like, you know, now if you have your nine to five job, you, you can't just go travel anywhere you want because you got mm-hmm. stuff to do. But uh, that said, um, it has a very, they're very relaxed when it comes to work and the culture definitely rubs off on the volunteers. Um, like a, like full time is 20 hours a week. Okay. So and and like you know it's something i learned there that i wish i had understood in the the mission because it's also you know a hot country without air conditioning Mm 
um, is just walk slow and like seek out the shade and like yeah. <laughs> just take it easy because you're gonna burn yourself out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, that was pretty similar. Okay. But um, yeah. I would imagine that you also have dreams about your experience in, in Cambodia with the Peace Corps, but they're a, way, a lot more pleasant than that of your experience in the Dominican Republic, I believe is where you served your mission. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very few. So I don't have a lot of dream, and I actually dream a lot. Like I remember my dreams pretty frequently, but I don't, I, ha- I, I dreamed a little bit about the, the Peace Corps after, after leaving, maybe a year or two after. Um, and up until maybe a couple years ago, I was still having dreams about the mission and not nice ones. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, like, again, I, yeah, just, I think there's a little bit of trauma there and uh, trying to, you know, your subconscious trying to deal with it, I guess. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm still yet to, you know, talk to someone openly about the mission that that doesn't have those dreams like everybody without fail has, has been having them like it's you know like <laughs> you're going through it on the mission and you really try to downplay it or rationalize it or i mean i did at least you know and it's like no, right yeah. no like it's clearly like you said there's some trauma there that you really you know have to deal with um now i know yeah that I served in uh the dominican republic um, what mission there, or are there multiple, or is there just kind of one? Uh, I I don't know what it's like now, but it, so I served um at the time there were three, so there's the Santiago, the and the East and West uh, Santo Domingo missions, and I was I was in the East, yeah. <laughs> east side um yeah <laughs> and, and uh it was funny because the the mission line goes basically just kind of cuts the city the, the capital in half mm-hmm. um between the east and the west mission and like we weren't allowed to go to the temple because it was it was like two blocks past our mission line mm. and like the west the west missionaries could go there like whenever they had time yeah. so we were we were kind of bitter about that mm. yeah looking yeah. back i'm not too upset about it but <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh that is a very weird like kind of petty sure. rule though it's two blocks guys sorry you can't enjoy the blessings of the yeah. lord's house yeah, exactly. that we tout so much but you know whatever um yeah there's like once or twice where they made like a big deal about it and said like, all right, like we're basically going to have a holiday and we're going to let you leave the mission and go to the temple. Mm. And we just thought it was the greatest thing. Yeah. Even, even though one of those times um, I had been deemed unworthy by the mission president. So I didn't uh, get to actually go in. I had to wait for my companion, but yeah. uh, Yeah. (laughs) I mean, a lot of people struggled with masturbation on the mission um, so we can definitely talk about that. 
<laughs> I mean, we can, we can oh, get in there. Boy. We can get raw with it and talk about it. <laughs> so, you know, people really could really. Wow. <laughs> I mean, you like read my mind. That's incredible. <laughs> no, I've, I've, I, was, I was right there with yeah, you, man. Sexuality in the Mormon church is just. Yeah, it's That's, a lot. Um, so, so I, I grew up like, yeah, well, yeah, it's like so much more stress than you've ever had in your entire life. Probably, I mean, being in a different country, yeah, but I think being with a companion is for sure the hardest thing about the mission. Oh, yeah. That, at least for me. And honestly, like up until that point, I had never in my life masturbated before the mission and like the stress of the mission was like i oh yeah something needs to i something needs to give because these uh nocturnal emissions aren't cutting it because like there's a joke on the mission that, that like that was a blessing from god like that you're like too pent up and so god will send you a wet dream a little tender mercy <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly um yeah so you know and that that's fun having that conversation mm -hmm. with, with your with your mission president yeah. and like just feeling just so bad about yourself and like him telling you that it's basically it can like turn into a lifelong addiction and that like he's talked to people that like for like decades like they never could kick it and i'm just like wow like i'm in something really deep and dark here and so yeah I'd go for a while without it and then I'd succumb again and have to talk to the president again. And I, yeah, I'm sure he was, he was very upset with me, but. That's so fucked up. Cause it's such a natural thing. Like, right. That's like a, like, <laughs> isn't stress. Like it's kind of a normal thing to like, you know, just to kind of release it like through something like that. Um, I, yeah, but, but there's yeah, such I a complex, so. you know, um, that is driven into you. That it's horrible. So your mission president was like very, he was not cool about it because my mission president uh, was like, Hey, listen, like if you, if this happens, just like get a glass of water, just like try to do something like it's, you know, that's what the sacrament and stuff is for like way more chill and cool, you know, cause it must've been a huge thing. Like he must, like when I called him the first time, he, he was almost like annoyed like why are you calling me like, why are all you kids calling me about this just like <laughs> i'm getting 30 calls a day because like, you guys are all feeling so horrible about this you know this masturbation thing well i mean he he was probably like you know he, he probably had a decent approach i mean if you have if you have to live within that paradigm the best way is to not treat it like it's the worst thing in the world because then it becomes that much more interesting and like, you know, forbidden. And so then it's, you know, even more titillating. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not even, <laughs> but uh, no, he wasn't cool uh, about it. He, uh, he was this Bolivian guy, uh, didn't speak any English. And fortunately um, at that point, my Spanish was pretty solid. So like I could confess my sins well, um, but uh yeah, I mean, he gave me, he's like, you know, like, make sure your shower is only 30 seconds or something or <laughs> something ridiculous. Because <laughs> obviously that's the only place it's taking place when you have a companion. Yeah. Um, 
for me anyway. I guess you could duck into a closet or something. I don't know. <laughs> um i'm 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 really excited i i mean i've listened to the other episodes uh the other guests mm -hmm. and i think this might be i mean i hope this isn't like remembered as like oh this is the masturbation guy <laughs> oh that's what i was gonna title it like oh. t t touching myself <laughs> with hal <laughs> well i mean but if you got a problem with that i guess i like it yeah <laughs> maybe don't say with hal <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> It's the theme, uh, I can't. <laughs> um, but no, I, I guarantee like so many people are like, yeah, I, I racked myself. I was tormented because it really like that guilt. Like if you're really taking it seriously, like I was talking to a guy. Um, it's like it seems like the, the missionaries that really took the mission very seriously tend to be the ones that leave, you know, and so... Mm -hmm you know like myself and you like when that happened it just was the worst feeling like you're trying you're walking next to your companion just like filled with so much shame the whole time like I know what I did like how am I going to teach this person right now I'm not going to be able to have the spirit like I'm just living this whole lie like you know I'm not going to feel okay until like I confess you know yeah yeah I mean honestly like at this point because it's been you know, 13 years now since I got home. Um, I mean, I, th I feel like I've worked through most of those things. So like the emotions are a little bit harder to tap into. And, but some of them are for sure buried. Cause like, I can feel like my tice, my, my chest tighten up. Like if I'm not like joking or laughing, like if I try and get serious about the emotions that I felt at the time, like mm -hmm. I can really like, uh, you know, feel the, I don't know the, the pain from it, honestly, and you kind of like suppress it and try and forget it mm -hmm. over time. Yeah, man. So it's a doozy. It's a doozy. But no, this is a definitely a, a milestone for the the podcast. We haven't gotten into this territory yet, um, but it is very interesting. But I, I do want to <laughs> know a little bit more about the the Dominican Republic. Um, what were your initial expectations when you got your call? Um, I don't, so, I mean, I'm just like, you know, 18 year old kid. I don't think I had heard of the country before. Mm -hmm. So I think I was just confused. Yeah. Like I was just like, it's, you know, it's, I, I was excited because it wasn't stateside. Um, because, you know, that's like a death sentence mm -hmm. for someone getting, getting their call. You, ha you have to like come to terms with that um and um once i learned you know you know we looked it up and you know where it is and i was you know stoked that i you know i was gonna get to learn spanish and that you know it's in the caribbean and i uh, got really excited because my my older brother spoke spanish he, he served his mission in barcelona um so yeah i was i was just pretty stoked and uh at, at that point like i had I had uh, had a girlfriend like a year before I, I left on my mission and I had dumped her because I wanted to focus on prep on preparing mm -hmm. and um, which is so shitty, but um, yeah, didn't need to do that. And uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I lost my train of thought there, but. Oh, you're good. Um, what were your, like your parents' reactions when you got uh, 
when you told them the Dominican Republic? Were they psyched? Were they scared? Uh, yeah, they were. They were both really excited. No, they were. They were excited. Uh, they weren't. They weren't really scared. And it was kind of like a similar uh, reaction when I got. We got accepted to Cambodia for mm-hmm. the Peace Corps. Like they weren't nervous. Like my wife's. My wife's family was actually worried, like for her safety, mm-hmm. going to Southeast Asia, because um, like all he knew about was like Vietnam and mm-hmm. that it, you know has the, the, the problems that they've had and. Um, and no, my parents were pretty stoked and, you know, super proud. They got, you know, they got their two out of three so far, got their boys on missions and mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. My mom was a little scared at first. It took like a little bit for her to accept that yeah. I was going, yeah, to Africa. Um, and then my yeah, that's understandable. <laughs> my my feelings were kind of hurt <laughs> a little bit um because uh she was telling me a story <laughs> once she was like yeah i was at church and sister gray came up to me and she was like why do you think devin uh, got called to africa and she was like you know what i think it was to learn to be humble and i was like oh ouch is that what you think of me <laughs> you think i'm like this like super arrogant <laughs> Oh, kid. It's like God's just like, yeah, we gotta, <laughs> we gotta send this guy oh, somewhere, man. somewhere rough. But um, there's always like weird misconceptions about some of the areas. Some are warranted, obviously. Some places are dangerous, and you know, especially like, like young women probably shouldn't be sent to some yeah. certain places. Um, but Ghana was actually very safe, and like I, you know, overall, like the people and stuff were great. I never had a problem with that. It's just the, you know, the brainwashing and everything else that that does the, the the damage to you but um yeah absolutely overall the dominican republic like how was your experience there um i mean i i had a you know had a ton of depression and um I was always kind of like the kid that before like growing up, I was always the kid that kind of did stuff on his own. I never like played team sports. So like being forced to be with someone else, um, unless like we happened to, to click like our personalities. Um, like I twice, so I'm, I kind of, you know, I'm not super, I'm not super loud. Like some people say like, Oh yeah, you're that soft spoken guy. I'm like, okay but like i full-on went like nuclear on two different companions on the mission and yeah overall it was just it was just hard man like (laughs) i was really happy to get home yeah and yeah definitely like counting the days till i could just get out of there Uh but yeah, I sh- I shouldn't I should have left early. Like that would have been way healthier. Yeah. But yeah. Definitely. There's all those expectations and you got different social pressures and stuff at at work. But um so it wasn't really the language or anything like that for you. It was just um navigating the relationships with companions. That was the hard part for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, and um I mean, yeah, that's for sure. Number one, um, other, other things that I, I mean, I, I love like 
the food from the Dominican Dominican Republic. Uh, super delicious and it's not spicy, so I can handle it because mm-hmm. it's not spicy at all. And um, people there just, you know, you're often sent to lower income, lower opportunity neighborhoods. Um, and like, that's the majority of people that you're going to interact with. And from what I've uh, experienced, those are the people that are more more likely to just hang out with somebody walking down the street just to kick it for 30 minutes anyway. And so I think that's why kind of missionaries just spend so much time in those neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, sometimes I, I, I'm thinking about the Peace Corps versus the mission. I, I feel like I was a little bit exploitative, um, particularly because, you know, with the church, like, becoming a full-fledged member that means you're giving 10 percent of your income Mm -hmm. and so like yeah i i I look back on it and sometimes i like people go back to their missions and visit people it's like i want to go back and like apologize and say hey like i wasn't in the right at this point like i hope everything's okay like you don't have to be doing this Mm -hmm. (laughs) but um i mean everybody they'll go everybody goes their own way but yeah we were definitely out there to try and convert so mm-hmm. absolutely um when i messaged you earlier you mentioned you you walked in on to you walked in on a companion with like i'm assuming was a like a full-on biblical beard and that was such a funny oh. visual for, for me <laughs> <laughs> like just right. like, sitting there with so... like, the tag on and everything tell me a little <laughs> bit about that <laughs> right so of course missionaries are supposed to be fully clean cut no facial hair um and uh this was my trainer on the day that i met him when i got to my area um, <laughs> so you know i'm like fresh out of the mtc like super flecha like which is the mission slang for straight like an arrow like mm-hmm. that's the spanish word for arrow so i was like super obedient and i show up and apparently my companion was trying to like scare me like that he was really tough Mm. um and he had like this beard and stuff but like i walk in and he's like sitting on his bed in our room in like basketball shorts and he's like this skinny kid from california with a beard and he's like trying to be tough but he's got Pokemon figurines mm. on his desk. <laughs> and I'm just like, the like the cognitive dissonance, like what is going on here? <laughs> I was just like all smiles. Like I just, I just smile. Like, I don't know what to do here, but this is fucking crazy. <laughs> so yeah, that was, uh, that was an interesting transfer. Lots of just, sitting on the roof by myself and reading the book of mormon trying to learn spanish mm-hmm. while he just uh i don't know what he did all day mm-hmm. yeah so were you guys alone in your apartment or were you living with some other guys uh there were two others so there was another trainer and one and a buddy from the mtc and uh yeah they went out every day and did their mm-hmm. thing but um i you know obviously i can't speak other missions but it seems like my mission was gen was a pretty like disobedient one mm. in general yeah um 
which it's like that part of me thinks that I mean it's I guess it's just a different kind of trauma but it, for me it just kind of adds another layer of like you're being conditioned for years and years and then in the MTC and like everything's just going to be the best two years and everybody's going to be trying their best and be obedient uh-huh. and then you show and then you show up and you like the first the, like the second night we go and have a sleepover at the zone leader's house with like 12 other dudes it's like all right i guess this is what we're doing and me and the other like three or four new guys were just like in our own room together like what the hell is happening Mm -hmm. here (laughs) and yeah i met the way i met my zone leader he like comes out of nowhere it pins me up against this column like in his house and he's in his underwear and his garments and he like starts smacking me in the butt with his dick what and i'm just like what yeah yeah that was uh (laughs) Yeah, there was there was a lot. Yeah, there was a lot of like joking, homoerotic uh, mm. stuff on the mission. Um, again, getting back to like all that pent up energy, like yeah, uh, yeah, super. That that was just a lot, a lot at once. You know, you you just have these expectations and they get shattered really quickly. <laughs> yeah. So mm-hmm. that is say so there was like a weird hazing culture like in your mission. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah, that's the perfect word for it. Um, t- yeah, like it was very commonplace for like a new, uh, the new guy comes in. <laughs> it's so fucking weird to talk about it, but whatever. <laughs> uh like three guys would like dogpile on this new guy and like dry hump him to like show their dominance and it's like all right this is i guess this is how we haze the new guys yeah uh don't get weird i'm just taking notes for um i sell scripts to gay mormon porn sites oh like okay. little, little plots and stuff and so i'm just gonna like steal some of those uh some of your experiences for for profit hey, if that's okay you know that's i'm i'm totally cool I, just had a, I had a, just a great scene there with the that dog pile description <laughs> that, that i think will be a big hit that's not true i'm just messing around but uh <laughs> that is crazy though because uh that kind of reminds me of uh we were talking about latter days a little bit and just uh mm-hmm. yeah the weird like because that was uh you know they were calling each other homos and you know they were there was all of this mm-hmm. weird aggression and and homophobia and stuff there and then uh you know that's that's kind of a little bit true to your experience you know a little bit with that but uh, like way you know multiplied (laughs) yeah yeah i mean there's all these dudes they who are all supposed to be celibate and you know super super horny i'm sure down to the last one just trying to get it out somehow and uh yeah i don't fault them for it although it was weird as fuck but Mm -hmm. yeah no yeah that's definitely a a a toxic environment to be in no doubt um yeah but did you were there did you ever hear like incidences of uh uh, such and such got sent home for like you know taking that that pent-up energy elsewhere in the area um 
I mean, there were, we had stories of like, and, and you know, this may not even be true because I fabricated people away from doing stuff, but you know, there was in the north of the mission, like there was a clo area closed for, uh, like there's little little kids running around named Elder, basically. Mm. And that somebody, like, I guess general authorities came in and like basically sent half of the mission home. And um, yeah, I guess it was really crazy, like uh, a decade or two before I got there. Um, but I mean, my my trainer kissed a girl in front of me, um, oh. so that not that again in in the normal world, like there's nothing wrong with that. Apart from the fact that you show up saying like I am here to teach you about Jesus, and then yeah, that just feels a little bit icky to me. How now that I think about it, um, but yeah, yeah. Well, that's. Uh predatory i mean we're seeing more and more reports like all the time in the news like um of people being arrested for you know sexual crimes sexual abuse crimes you know in the church um so, right so it definitely facilitates behavior like that i mean i i'm right, yeah. right there with you i had a companion that i've talked about on some episodes who was scamming women you know what i mean right in front of me very flirtatious you know physically threatening to me it's not like I, you know i couldn't really do anything i just kind of had to sit by like watch it. it would leave me in a place alone for hours so who knows what he was out doing you know <laughs> so you know it, it's yeah. it's a perfect yeah, yeah. it's a safe haven for those kind of more unsavory personalities and stuff like that um, unfortunately, but yeah, well, that's the weird, that's the weird part about it is it's supposed to be this super wholesome thing, but like the way it's set up, there aren't a lot of true safeguards for, um, yeah, preventing that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, you're, they're just out there. Mm -hmm. It's really crazy. So. But, um, Man, I want, there was something I wanted to ask you a little bit more about the Dominican Republic, but it uh, escaped me. Um, damn. So I guess we'll have to move on. I guess it wasn't that uh, that interesting after all. I would have written it down. Um, oh, I just remembered it. Cool. I'm gonna have to. We're gonna oh, have to no cut worries. all this out, JP. <laughs> we're having to cut all this out. But um. Do you know Kirby Hayborn? You're familiar with the actor Kirby Hayborn? Oh no. Looks like we froze up. Okay, we're coming back. I'm actually I'm gonna move downstairs, get get closer to my router. Okay. It, yeah, we'll just we'll cut this whole is. whole chunk out. Are you able to <laughs> Okay? <laughs> All right. All right. Um, do you uh, you're familiar with the actor Kirby Hayborn, the Mormon actor from the, uh, yeah. the from yeah, the RM so. and uh, Saints and Soldiers, I think, and all those kind of movies. 
Yeah, um, yeah. I think he served in the Dominican Republic. Were there any ever stories like told about him? I came across some something on a Reddit post once, and I'm just you kinda, know, and I'm just kind of curious. I should look into that. Um, obviously, he was before my guess, not totally obviously, but he, so he was before me, and I feel like the story that I had mentioned about like. Uh, apostles coming in and shutting down the mission. I feel like that was his time, mm-hmm. if I am recalling correctly. Um, but yeah, super interesting place for mm-hmm. kids to get in trouble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's something about mission lore just really fascinates me. <laughs> like what spreads around and like the commonalities found in a lot of different missions, you know? Yeah. Um, like going back to this weird kind of homoerotic hazing culture that we were talking about. Um, <laughs> the, I didn't experience that firsthand. Um, but there was a common kind of little story that was told. Um, and basically it was called like the lithium bunny or something like that. And it was this basically, um, a missionary was like drugging his companion and like raping him essentially like at night. And then, so the the missionary was like, went to the doctor and was like, Oh, you know, I'm feeling like these kind of pains and sore and stuff like that. I I need to get checked out and see what's going on. And then the doctor like had to reveal like, Oh, well you've been getting like really like raped and like abused and stuff. And that was just like a common story that was like told for fun and stuff and spread around. You're like, no, oh. we didn't have that story, but <laughs> that's intense. Yeah. You're like, are you, are you threatening me by telling me this story? <laughs> like, no, I, I'm bigger than you. So, wow. Yeah, I had a really dominant companion. Um, my second companion, uh, that was actually one of the two that I just blew up at and like just... um the the reason the altercation uh, took place was because we visited the, the house where my companion had kissed that girl and like he totally could tell that we weren't there teaching the gospel mm-hmm. like we were there just hanging out with girls um i mean he was hanging out with girls and i was a brand new missionary being super uncomfortable in the corner mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, so I went back because I was like, this is my only, like, you know, like as a new, as you bring in someone to your area, it's like, all right, let's go visit your families. Let's go do, let's go do some work. And like, that's the only thing that I could think of was to go to that house. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, so he was not happy about that. And my Spanish was really terrible because I'd only been in the mission for six weeks. And um we you know it was getting late and we needed to get home and he was really upset at me and i couldn't understand 90 percent of what he was saying and like i just don't i just didn't know how to deal with it so i just like stayed back and walked really slow and just let him just like get home as fast as he wanted and um he noticed you know i wasn't keeping up and we'd play like this catch-up game where he'd like stop at a corner and I would slowly walk to the corner and then he'd like run to the next corner because we're like, need to get home. (laughs) 
And so like after like 10 or 15 minutes of this, he was just so fed up with like me being a little shit, like not wanting to walk with him. <laughs> and he like punched me. Mm. And I had never been like he like took his fist and like like punched me in the stomach. And it's like I had never been hit by someone before. And I was I was just surprised. It's like, what? People don't hit each other. Like, what are you doing? Mm. <laughs> and and then he hit me again and it just something snapped and I threw my backpack on the ground and like put my fists up and just started screaming obscenities in his face huh. <laughs> and just like circling him like get like just it's like just like make my day like yeah. just do something <laughs> <laughs> yeah so <laughs> yeah companions man super super fun oh man um, were you screaming at him in Spanish or was it like Eng- English obscenities? No, for sure English <laughs> at this point. <laughs> and he didn't understand any of it. He yeah. could just tell that I was just, I just lost it on him basically. Mm-hmm. And he was like the shock, the shock that I had from being punched. Like, I feel like I saw that in him. He was just like, holy cow, this kid is like flying off the handle. And so, yeah, he just, he just walked home and I like, walked home a few minutes later and yeah that was a rough transfer yeah um did you have any like highlights on the mission um highlights so yeah i mean one time like we this is so good like we borrowed someone's tv and so on another transfer like Basically, we spent all day playing Magic the Gathering and watching movies, so that was pretty fun. Um, uh, kosher highlights, you know, a couple baptisms. I had really good feelings about that at the time. And, like, one time we got to, like, we got it set up where we could do a baptism in this river. And so we were like, oh, my gosh, this is just like baptizing Jesus. Like, this is the best thing ever. Um and just like there's a, a couple of relationships like inevitably even if you're having a really rough time there you're gonna get close to some people and um yeah like there's there's a couple of companions that i still talk to today and uh just really really good guys so yeah um you mentioned that uh you think you should have probably left the mission early um do you regret like having stayed the full time or having gone at all um i did for a long time uh well (laughs) for a long time i guess again i've been under the church for the past seven years and so having left the church like in the first few years after leaving the church i did regret it a lot because i was i was bitter i was like you know you stole that time i that time was stolen from me like i could have I could have been making money. I could have been spending more time with my, my own family. I could have, could have been in school, you know, not, not graduating when you're 23 or, or, you know, two years later, mm-hmm. like all of us do. So. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, I can't help but notice I uh, drinking a, a beer there. Oh um, yeah. Also Hal has a, gorgeous handlebar mustache <laughs> so as you're listening Thank i know you, there's sir. no video but now he's uh how do you pronounce that is it ghosts 
Uh, every time I go to a shop, they say they say goes goes. But apparently, I mean, I I asked for goza because I googled it, and goza is supposed to be their way to say it. But whatever. Yeah, it's super good. Yeah. It's a, kind of like a sour right I, I like some sour beers yeah it is it is sour but like the goza is like salty so mm, okay yeah i really dig it even though like yeah i didn't have my first drink until the peace corps uh i had a uh it was a heineken over ice because <laughs> they they drink their beers over ice because mm-hmm. it's you know so hot but yeah um yeah. Did you uh, yeah. like what? Did, what were your uh, what was your initial like apprehension to um, trying beer and that sort of stuff? Did you have some hangups still when you after you had it or? Uh well, so that that was actually something that we had to work through a lot, um, my wife and I, because I like I tried it and I thought it was disgusting. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't even finish it, and I probably had two whole beers in Cambodia. So <laughs> wasn't, yeah, alcohol wasn't a bit, wasn't a big thing for me. And it's, it still kind of isn't um, until like I found this kind of beer, which I happen to really like. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, no, like I, would drink here and there and when we moved to dc like i would drink here and there and then i started going out for happy hours with my colleagues and um actually didn't tell my wife about it and i was still going to church kind of at the time so yeah she that was kind of a big bomb and and that was pretty shitty of me not to cue her in for like a year Mm -hmm. of doing that but um she she has forgiven me and we've moved past it but yeah mm-hmm. um i like beer I, I guess i don't drink it a lot um i had kind of experimented like when i was younger a little bit but um it's a fun culture you know that's another one of those things that you you know you miss out on um it's fun to experiment i might have to look up a go goisa i already forgot how to pronounce it a gosa yeah there you go um might have to check one of those out it sounds like it'd be right up my alley but um have you experimented with like any other kind of substances i know something that's kind of popular in the the post-mormon ex-mormon community is um like the use of psychedelics like um psilocybin mushrooms and things like that as a form of healing is that something you've looked into uh i have i have not um i i'm really like cautious about psychedelics i I would like to try psilocybin um you know magic mushrooms um but i i I really would like to have like a a sitter Mm -hmm. um to take it with like i i'm not interested in taking it recreationally i'd like to take it like kind of therapeutically and just um take it and get get benefits from it kind of thing um rather than take it and just try and have a party Mm -hmm. i I feel like psychedelics have things to offer but makes me a little nervous until i can figure out someone that will babysit me while i take it (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, myself I'm, i'm interested in it but it's just like 
you know, finding a a source and all of that thing, you know, that sort of stuff. I'm sure it'd be easier in certain places like Colorado um, or, or California or something like that, but. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but no, uh, cannabis, I'm definitely a fan of, of weed and, um, yeah, I definitely partake of that much more than I do alcohol mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, I think I started smoking weed. Uh, yeah, probably it's about the time, maybe like six, yeah, about six years ago, about the time we came out here. Yeah. So. Um, what would you say the benefits of that are for you? And uh, what was your like first like real experience with it like? <laughs> um, so for me, it, yeah, I treat it kind of like, like a responsible drinker, what I would think of as a responsible drinker would treat it. Um, and it, it, it's just, it, it makes things funnier. <laughs> and it, there's not, because I live in Virginia, um, there's not, it, it only just became decriminalized two months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's not a huge weed culture here in Virginia, but I've had coworkers in the past where we'd go and smoke together and yeah, it just, I think it really lubricates social interactions, uh, really well. And, um, there's not kind of the risk involved with alcohol. Um, like you don't, people aren't, you know, beating each other over weed. It's, you know, usually if you're drunk, right. Mm. So, well, I mean, sometimes you just gotta beat up a guy when you're high on some weed. <laughs> you know, it's not my, that's not my experience. <laughs> but... <laughs> all right, it's like you're eating all my snacks, man. Like we gotta, yeah. we gotta throw hands right now. <laughs> no, no, it's more like, hey, do you want some more snacks? Do you want some more <laughs> chips? Like I have, I have like tons of junk food (laughs) yeah no like i i have to be really careful with it um i was on some medication like a couple years ago and it just i i gained like 50 50 60 pounds and weed like some people say like the more like the more experienced you are the less you get the munchies but like i have to be really careful because like i'll just like i'll just eat everything that's in the house when i get high so Mm. Um, you have to be careful there yeah um i'm kind of the opposite a lot of the time i find and i don't know what it is with me like i'm stingy or something like that but like uh anytime that i have smoked it's like i don't want to eat or drink or anything really like i want to ride this as long as possible and i and i'm like afraid that if i eat or drink it's gonna like snap me out of it too fast or something. So I'm, That's like, what happened? I'm like, what happened to me that I'm like so stingy about this? Yeah, that is an interesting. Uh, I mean, I guess if you don't have a lot of like, if it's hard to come by, maybe because mm. um, it, it hasn't been for me. So I guess I'm not worried about it because it's like if I feel like I want to ride the high longer i'll just smoke more Mm -hmm. but yeah 
you, that's funny man you like to live a life of luxury you know so you just like let it you know let's burn through this stuff <laughs> well yeah i also i don't smoke every day and so my tolerance isn't as high as some some other folks that i've smoked with and mm-hmm. so like you know a, a modern a modern joint if you don't smoke every day you take like three drags on it and you're good mm-hmm. honestly yeah yeah, I mean, um, definitely, it does have its benefits. I mean, like, contrary to what you're taught growing up and stuff, like, you know, it is it is good for depression and stuff. Like, your mileage may vary, I think, with, like, anxiety and certain things like that. But as far as right. it's, like, a general mood booster, um, moderate smoking. Yeah. I think that's the key. I don't – I wouldn't uh, propose – you know, like going too crazy with it all day, every day, or anything like that. But with moderation, absolutely beneficial. And if you want to use it all day, every day, hey, <laughs> hey, why not? You know, <laughs> good, good for you. Good for you. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. No, I mean, and, and I, yeah, some people's physiology, I feel like they they can function super well, and you know. They can, some people can, you know, go about their day and get things done. For me, it's absolutely like this is a nighttime treat that you have a few, a couple times, maybe once a week, a couple times a week. And because um, beyond that, you're going to gain like five pounds a week. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I kinda, I'm kind of jealous at your ability, at your, uh, your reaction, to be honest. Yeah. And see, I'm, I'm jealous. I'm envious of other people yeah yeah like uh my girlfriend she like just the joy of eating something yeah i'm like oh man i that would be nice to experience maybe i should open up a little bit you know what i mean <laughs> I, I think i'm probably missing out instead it's of a just, double-edged sword it's a double-edged sword man the grass is always greener um but since we're talking we're covering some topics that i haven't really covered with anyone else um so something that I've kind of wanted to talk about a little bit is tattoos. Um, yeah. So yeah, I have some tattoos, obviously. I noticed that uh, you got one over there. And so how long, so it's been about six years, how long until you got your first tattoo? Did you run out immediately? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm putting some graffiti on this temple. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm decorating it, making it more beautiful. Um, so I'm just trying to, Put a timeline on it so 2014 so it's probably 2016 so i had already kind of been done with the church for a couple of years and uh, my wife wasn't super jazzed about me getting tattoos and so like the deal we made was like all right like if you plan it and you want it six months later that i'm cool with it and so my first tattoo uh, yeah, the, the, this tree on my arm. Mm. It's like I had it all planned out, and so that's that's what I got. And uh, um, and then yeah, this one is a sago lily. It's the state flower of Utah, and that was like a same day decision type of tattoo where it's like you had not thought about it before. <laughs> and um, and then I had and then i had this one done in uh toronto the got a chicken okay yeah yeah i've seen this on your uh instagram oh yeah okay yeah. what's cool. the story behind that 
Um, I just, so yeah, at the time I had sworn off eating chicken because I was just really, and I still am uh, really against factory farming. Mm -hmm. And like I had raised chickens when I was a kid. And um, so, yeah, when I wasn't eating chicken, I was like, all right, I'm going to get a dope ass tattoo and it's going to be a chicken. And um, yeah, I've actually been, I've been vegan for 2020. Okay. And um, not because I don't think it's, I think it's fine to eat animals. Just, uh, yeah, factory farming is kind of gross. So, yeah. Speaking of, I'm going hunting tomorrow. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm just going to feed my dog the the venison or if I'll just quit early for 2020. Mm -hmm. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Is that something you do often? Um, no, I, I had been, um, like I grew up in a family that like my grandpa hunted all the time and I grew up around guns and, um, my brother goes hunting, but I, my dad, he would always take a shooting and camping and stuff, but he, he didn't like hunting, but I actually got into it out here, found a friend that does it. And, um, yeah, I got a couple of deer on my first hunt and, um, yeah, I just recently reached out to my that same buddy and picked up a crossbow, and we're gonna head out to the uh, forest in Virginia and see if we can't get something. That's awesome. Uh, you gonna have the handlebars on the mustache going for that, or is it gonna you gonna let it hang kind of down and relaxed for the hunt? Yeah, <laughs> I like the idea uh, of uh, you with like one of those hunting hats with like the mustache coming out. <laughs> I mean, it goes with everything, yeah. so obviously it'll it'll be there. So, mm. um, I I always like I don't want to come across as like super anti the church or anything, and like um, I don't want to be like an anti podcast in any way. Um, but mm-hmm. I do think that is very cool, and I think that is something I enjoy about the church culture is like you know, provident living and like, you know, food store canning, like, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of stuff. Um, so that's very fun. I've shot a gun. I've never been hunting, but it is something that I would be interested in, in trying for sure. Um, but switching gears a little bit back to a little more serious topics. Um, sure. we, we know your major, um, like catalytic point of leaving the church were there any like other additional sort of shelf items that really kind of push you over the edge or that have like rubbed you the wrong way or still kind of affect you? Well, <clears throat> um, like, I, I, I guess it might just be, uh, I hope I'm not belaboring if, if, that, if that's a word, right. The same point, um, that I, had come to the the conclusion and this may have been on the mission that it's like you know there's there's going to be things that feel or you can't explain feel wrong or you can't explain and really like everything comes down to faith and um once kind of the faith thing really came into question because up to that point like faith was like drilled drilled into you is like that is the most important thing that you can have as as long as you have faith like everything will be okay and once i kind of explored that actually you can live with 
without it like you can actually just um just rely on facts and just you don't have to have faith in something i mean and and it's hard because in 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 our you know in in english it seems like faith is i hope i'm not like pontificating here or something <laughs> but faith it, it, it's it's got a lot of baggage around the word it's not it's not just like oh this means like something that you can't prove but you believe it anyway like it's like there's like good faith and like you have i have faith i have faith in you that you'll do this you're not saying that you believe that they are going to do something that you can't prove you know mm-hmm. does that make any sense mm-hmm. um so anyway uh yeah just kind of god altogether fell apart for me and so i didn't and for a long time like i didn't have a problem with the church i was really just running in kind of atheist circles online that didn't per se have uh ex-mormon uh flavors to it um and i mentioned earlier like yeah i didn't read the cs letter till like a year ago Mm -hmm. um i've been pushing my wife to read it and she's like i'll i'll read it when i read it Mm -hmm. but but um yeah yeah um I don't know if I've got too much more insight than that. Mm-hmm. I haven't talked like at length or anything with anybody about the CES letter. Mm-hmm. Um, so you were fully out, you said, by the time you read it. Right. Mm-hmm. So what, like, I guess what was your feeling as you read it? Like as someone who had already kind of come to terms? Um, kind of like annoyed that like all like yeah it it revealed new stuff to me that i had no idea about um like there was i guess there was a book that basically it's it's there are so many similarities between this book that was written a couple not too long before the book of mormon was written Mm. that it's like impossible that it wasn't at least inspired by it right Mm -hmm. and it's like i had i had never heard of that like why like it's like there's just a lot of little things that were not told and it just it feels kind of you just I just felt annoyed like like why wasn't I ever told about this like I I should have at least been given the opportunity to have the conversation with Mm -hmm. my bishop Mm -hmm. you know so Mm -hmm. absolutely um see I discovered it like rad as I first began questioning you know, so it was very like, oh, like a de- more of a devastating, you know, revelation. It's like, oh my, God, like, wow. <laughs> I mean, geez. Um, yeah. So that's that's pretty crazy. Yeah, I guess I'm I'm I guess I'm kind of happy that I was spared that because I'm I'm sure you know that there's some pain involved with, um kind of that truck being hit by by that the weight of all of that when you're still on the fence mm-hmm. um, so yeah um i'm sure you've seen the um the south park the infamous south park episode by now were you allowed to watch that way back in the day or i had to catch up yeah yeah um it's just so crazy like how like accurate it was you know what i mean yeah 
like yeah, wow. absolutely. like wow these people like non-members and stuff like know way more about like the accurate stuff <laughs> that like you do you know but you're convinced that like oh they it was all wrong no it's anti yeah it's anti-material yeah. yeah you gotta you gotta stay away from it because it's anti and they're they're just trying to hurt your faith mm -hmm. so um what was it like like have you do your parents and stuff now Sorry about my parents. Um, do you do your parents know that you're not in the church anymore? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, um, and um, yeah, my family is mostly, I guess, not. So there's six of us, the four kid, four boys, and the, my parents. So the only ones left are my little brother and my and my dad mm -hmm. that are that are still like solid in the church. Um, yeah, so they know. And they, they didn't give me a hard time about it. Um, we didn't have kids at that point. And I, and I think for some reason like that didn't, that kind of made it easier for them to accept, I guess, because mm -hmm. my, my oldest brother that served his mission in Spain, um, he and his wife left together uh, not too long after I did. Like we had some conversations and that kind of, I'm not saying like I pushed them out of the church, mm -hmm. but um i guess it was really hard on my dad just like they had they had two or three kids at that point mm -hmm. and like seeing like knowing that like the, i guess the grandkids like wouldn't be raised in the church was hard for him mm -hmm. so yeah um so how would you say um like overall how has life been for you like since you separated from the church um it's been great uh the 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 word separation is kind of funny for me just because i'm still so associated with it mm -hmm. being married to someone who you know goes to church every week mm -hmm. um and i still because of that like i still have a lot of my friends are the ones that are in the ward mm -hmm. here <laughs> um but uh no life is really good uh not being mormon i feel like it's better for for me personally um just because i don't have the the pressure of meeting expectations that are unrealistic mm -hmm. you know like i i have a much more say in kind of where i want to take my life mm -hmm. um and and that that was something that you have i mean that's and it's kind of scary having that at first um because you you've like the church always felt like this like unbreakable backstop like no matter what happened you'd always have the church like financially like they take care of you and you've always got the community socially they take care of you and um again i guess i still kind of have that because of my wife but it's not it's obviously not the same and i i, I feel good without the church mm. <laughs> i don't know yeah it's like it, it kind of varies person to person you know i'm always curious where people are at um on their journey you know like where they yeah. are as far as like acceptance and things like that um you know, I had a lot of bitterness for a long time. You know, I was very jaded, especially when I lived in Utah, just just being, like, around it all the time. Just, um, it was very difficult for me, you know. 
So it's nice to see how different people navigate it and come to terms with things and, um, you know. It, it feels it feels really good to not have to be sneaky mm -hmm. <laughs> about like my life choices that like I'm not like I was never doing I mean of course we all do things that are unkind or maybe not the best but like you know I'm not making my senior year at BYU I'm not secretly making myself cocktails to drink by myself mm -hmm. in Provo Utah in my basement apartment while my brother's not there because I, I lived with my my little brother we went to school together for a semester mm -hmm. and we lived together and so I'd like drink when he wasn't there and like just yeah it's just so silly thinking of it at this point where it's like it's what you were doing was really it was okay yeah like you, you weren't hurting anyone <laughs> you weren't even hurting yourself oh, no. like yeah what was so. your uh, go-to cocktail <laughs> it took a long time like i would make something and i would hate it and i would just pour it down the sink <laughs> I don't make all these like gross things because I like I just I like to get in the kitchen and just like try and put together something whatever I have and try and see how it turns out and half the time it turns out great and half the time it turns out good and yeah with you know with making drinks that that doesn't really work out super well so mm. um, I end up really liking a Moscow Mule oh, usually yeah. into that for a minute um, but yeah. I wasted a lot of alcohol because mm -hmm. it was gross. <laughs> that's funny. Um, well, I guess that's kind of a, in conclusion. Um, what was your favorite scene in Latter Days? Oh. <laughs> um, shoot. I, I, it's kind of uh, escaping me. Um, <laughs> it's not a great movie. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> Because, yeah, you kind of walk away. It's like, all right, this is kind of kitschy. And, like, uh, just the whole feeling of it is just like, wow, this is, like, I, I think I mentioned to you, it's like, this movie, I mean, it's fun to watch as as an ex-Mormon, uh, but it's certainly made as a, as a, as a like, a, a naughty movie for, for Mormons. Because mm. yeah. it's like, it's like the things they're doing, you're just like, this is, this isn't bad. Like, <laughs> um yeah just i don't know yeah it's like a lot of casual drinking scenes they have a nice like blowjob scene like right up top <laughs> it's like ooh, cool edgy industrial music and then oh okay getting x-rated oh, yeah. right right out the gate first three minutes cool, yeah cool, cool. Um, yeah just, just gotta shock you right away yeah joseph gordon levitt's character was such a douchebag though <laughs> yeah, it was i think he's he'll i i i want to say they use like the word faggot which is like a horrible slur oh, all the time in 2020 and like when you hear it now you're just like oh my gosh like people, i can't believe people said that yeah. he was um, like, <laughs> <laughs> his character was like a hard like right winger you're like and it's like not really believable with his face uh-huh like he's like, yeah. <laughs> so skinny and the things he's saying you're like okay yeah well and i love that mac from it's always sunny in yeah. philadelphia is also a missionary mm. in that as well um yeah a favorite scene like i don't know because it's kind of a shitty movie <laughs> <laughs> 
So I would just recommend if you're, yeah, if you're an ex-Mormon, definitely watch it, but don't be looking for like cinematic excellence. No. But <laughs> yeah, you can watch it for free right now on Tubi. Um, if you download, oh, okay. if you download that app, you just gotta watch some ads every now and then. That's where I, feel I like watched that, it. I feel like that's maybe where I where I saw it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Um, is there anything that um, you want to get into that I haven't asked? Um, I, I mean, no. I just really appreciate you, you know, reaching, uh, you know, getting me to do this. I was I was pretty nervous thinking about coming on and i was i was just have been really impressed with your your interviews so far but i'm you know i'm grateful that you know you let me share my experience and hopefully that some people can identify with it you know especially that mission masturbation stuff oh yeah absolutely (laughs) i gotta figure out how to do like little video clips (laughs) so i can just cut that little portion and post that (laughs) as a promo Uh, sounds good (laughs) Yeah. All right. Uh, that that was uh, jerking it with Hal uh, episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, but yeah, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing, and uh, I hope this was beneficial for you to talk about some of these things. And uh, you know, take it easy, easy the rest of your day, and I'll probably talk to you soon. Yeah, I hope I, ho- I hope so, and yeah, have a good weekend. All right, you do the same. Enjoy that goisa. All right. Thanks, man. All right. Take it easy. Bye. Bye. Focal Point Podcast for the Focal Point Cinema and Sound Company.